Capturing emotions and expressions are the guiding words of Fiona Dipendo as she tries to capture the human soul through her expressive watercolor portraits. Her recent workshops are a massive success and more and more people are inspired to kickstart their watercolor journey through her step-by-step -step process. Join us as we dive into the most overlooked tip in watercolor painting, the quickest and most educational way to kickstart your watercolor journey, the delicate balance of control and letting go in watercolor, how to capture human emotions through art, the biggest roadblock to achieving your desired style in watercolor, the importance of consistency and dedication in defining your style of painting, and the ugly face of watercolor, and why you shouldn't bend your artwork. If you want to be part of the conversation, then send in your questions and topics you want us to cover to hello at etrolab.com. Hey, this is Jessie and I'm an artist and studio host for Etrolab. We believe in your power to create, so we invited artists from all around the globe to inspire you to keep on creating. So join us in this journey and let's celebrate creativity. This is Make More Art, the podcast. I'm Suona Depinto. And I'm a Scottish Italian uh, artist. I was born in Scotland, uh, but I was mostly raised in Rome, in Italy. And uh, but I used to spend, you know, summers and holidays in Scotland. And also, I was raised uh, speaking English by my mother, mm -hmm. so I'm bilingual. Because uh, people very often ask, "Where does that accent come from?" So that yeah. comes from. It comes from <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> okay. And I actually have always been quite artistic growing up. I always loved art. I always loved drawing and I did a lot of that. And when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I also started doing some oils, some acrylics for a while. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I dropped that because I was really into writing as well. I so I was like, okay. writing levels, but I never sketching I can't see a blank napkin or a blank piece of paper I have to fill it in even if it's okay. like while I'm on the phone uh -huh. and yeah um I have artists in my family because my Scottish grandmother was uh, a watercolor artist at the Glasgow School of Art and my Italian grandfather picked up painting with oils when he was in his 50s mm -hmm. so um maybe you know it's genetics or maybe it's uh, just random Okay, thank you so much, Fiona. And again, thank you for thank saying you. yes to do this interview. I just have to say congratulations first. I think it's in order for your sold out mini workshop as well as master classes. I believe a lot of people signed up. They have over 300 signed up for your mini workshop, which is amazing. So slow clap. And what's interesting as well is you started watercolor about two years ago. Yes, I started watercolor painting in, uh, it was some spring to summer mm -hmm. 2019. Wow. Uh, and I don't know why, it just came up on my YouTube feed. It was mm -hmm. a video by this um, content creator. She's called Arlie Bean, Arlisha Yetzer. And her content and her style is complete, completely different to mine, but she creates these um, watercolor videos where she doesn't do any tutorials or anything, mm -hmm. but she just, they're almost kind of ASMR. 
so very oh, relaxing. Very relaxed. And she paints, and she you just watch watch the watercolor flow organically and beautifully. And I was just drawn in so much that mm -hmm. I thought I really have to try watercolors. And so I have to definitely say that I'm thankful for having seen that first video. And then, of course, I watched them all. On Instagram, um, Tales Fantastic, which who I believe is also an etcher teacher, Manel mm -hmm. Oliphant. Yeah. She showed a lot of time lapses in which she painted these mermaids, um, oh. this undersea creatures, and the water just flows everywhere. And I remember asking her, how do you do that? <laughs> and she broke the news to me that watercolour only goes where the paper is wet and it will not go where the paper is dry, which seems like such a, you know, simple piece of information. But actually, I find that starting out in watercolour, it's not that easy mm -hmm. to find the basics because yeah. once you move on, you forget about the basics. You don't remember to tell people who are just starting out, by the way, this is, you know, a trick because it seems so obvious by then, but it's not. Yeah. So it's not easy information to come across very often, I think. That's a really good point. And you're absolutely right. People don't often mention that tip to anyone who's starting out with watercolor that water will only flow where the paper is wet. Normally yes. you start with the basic techniques and you know the styles and all that. But that simple tip, very basic, but very, very important. Very important. Let's yes. talk about your subjects. It's not the typical realistic portraits, but it's expressive no. portraits. And I fell in love with your Instagram because thank you. It's so mystical, magical, and whimsical. I know those three adjectives sounds the same altogether, but at the same time, you also incorporate the title and the captions along with the with a painting, which I believe came from what you mentioned earlier that you also did right before. Yeah, yes. So let's talk about your very first watercolor piece. You said that it all started two years ago. Do you still have it with you, Fiona? Yes, I, I, I do have it and I have prepared it because uh, some people say, oh, how am I ever going to manage and it's so hard. And I have to mm. say, I almost gave up myself in the beginning because it is truly one of the, mo the most challenging medium out there it's unforgiving um you can't go over the painting like you can do with oils and acrylics right and so this was the first piece in fact you can see it even says spring 2019 oh, wow. and it's covered in pencil colored pencil so it's watercolor but then I I had I felt I had such lack of control mm -hmm. so for people who are actually able to see this, this was uh, 2019. Uh, and um, I felt I had so little control that I had to cover the, the watercolor with, um, with pencil. Then um, let's uh, move on to uh, my latest piece, just to show the journey, like mm. flash forwards to my last piece. And this is my last piece. So this is two uh, years later. Wow. Two years later. So this is Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. As you can see, I'm using blooms in the chest. Mm -hmm. um, people think that blooms are a mistake. I love blooms and I actually worked to achieve them. And then obviously I've got all the added elements of the animals and um, 
you, you know, I've just mastered much more control over the hair as well. And yes, the, those the bugs and the, and the color and, choices as well. It's very different. Sorry? The color choices. Yes, uh, I really like, um, I change a lot because I try to go through phases. Sometimes right. I like more vibrant colors. Other times I like more muted tones. Mm. Uh, muted tones are like more opaque tones. Usually right. you achieve them by um, mixing uh, complementary colors. So colors mm. which lie opposite to each other mm -hmm. on the color, color wheel. Okay. Right. So that's how we get all the browns. We get the grays. We get the um, kind of mauves as well. And it's uh, really interesting. So my advice for anyone who is um, starting out in watercolor and is struggling is also to simply do swatches. One, it can be so relaxing. You pick your watercolor palette, whatever you have, and you just start swatching. Just watch how the paint behaves, how the paint moves, the pigment moves into where the water is. Watch how it behaves uh, wet and dry. Watch how they blend together mix your colors you can achieve most a lot of colors just using the three primary colors so experiment with that if you're stuck do color swatching that works for me color swatching i find it very therapeutic as well when you're starting out we have a brand new paint you know set of paint and then you start doing swatching but i've never really thought of it as something that for me it's fun but never thought of it from a perspective that it can be very educational in the way it's that educational and it breaks the ice because exactly. it kind of yeah. gets you excited mm -hmm. um, about, you know, seeing what it actually does. And then you realize that you're starting gradually to learn and control because watercolor is all about control. But at the same time, it's also about letting go of that control. So it's a very delicate balance. <laughs> so I, I want to show you this piece I started last night and it's totally a puddle, basically. Mm -hmm. It's a man this time. I paint men too. I don't know if you can see it, wow. but it's, it, it is really all about puddles. And I just found them on drips and mm -hmm. I found them so expressive. It's mm -hmm. like a reflection in a, in a lake. I don't know. So. Right. I think that gaining control is something you really try to do in the beginning. But then as you move on, you should also dare and let go of that control. And that's when the magic sets in. Watercolor is all about control. But at the same time, as you move along, you slowly transition into letting go. I love that. Absolutely. Which actually reminded me of a painting that you did. Um, the one that's for... She's a river. And you mentioned okay. that it is your breakthrough piece because you've been playing around with loose, loose watercolor style. Yes, that's the one. So this and, is it. And I don't see, don't yeah. know if the camera will pick it up well, mm -hmm. um, but on the, you can see that on this side, actually on both sides of her nose, there's almost like a muddy. Yes. You can definitely tell on this side. Yes. Yeah. It's like a puddle. Mm -hmm. I was working wet and wet a lot, and I wasn't really minding up too much about where the colors would go. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I let them dry, and I started going over it with, you know, a more control technique. Yeah. And then I also thought, you know what? I just want to add a splatter, and I flicked my brush <laughs> right over her lip. Right. And it went, yeah, it 
went across her face and I thought, you know what, I like it. Mm -hmm. And that is why this was a, a breakthrough piece for me because mm -hmm. it's, um, that's when I started thinking, you know, enough control, enough control, start letting go. Also because I never, I totally admire artists who do photorealistic pieces. Uh, I admire their patience, I admire their skills. So, um, they're absolutely amazing, but that is not what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, like what you hear so far, Make More Art the Podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So we would like to give a shout out to Painting the Sky Kingdom from YouTube on our most recent episode with Panchami. She said, I love her honesty. Most don't really admit how much there is to learn. I've made the mistake of starting off trying to make complicated pieces. Better to start up simple. Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. I want to create a feeling of emotion and an impression almost, like a reflection in, in water, as I, I said. So reflection that in water. Is, yeah. Yeah. So definitely not photorealism, and then that would take probably weeks. <laughs> so let's say, Fiona, you're, you said that your style has evolved, looking at your piece from 2019 to now, 2021. What would you say your style is in watercolor? Well, when people ask me, I say expressive portraiture, but I've seen that they use this word a lot and it's not always similar to what I do, this term, mm -hmm. terminology a lot. It's not always similar to what I do. Mm -hmm. I would say, yeah, definitely expressive watercolor, but at the same time, kind of um, incorporate elements which make you think about dreams that you had when you oh. wake up and you have a memory of a dream and then it just slips away. Mm -hmm. So like um, capturing that or um, another uh, piece I have is this one, for example, um, where I have uh, like pine trees at a forest and a lake in her chest. Mm -hmm. So that is like a memory, a happy memory of uh, when I went canoeing in a lake in Canada. Right. Um, even though people will say that face doesn't look happy at all, I said that during my workshop, I like to look for intense expressions, usually more pensive, not negative emotions. And that is something that I really want to get through with my art because everyone says, why are they so sad? There must be this um, artist is trying to portray some trauma she had in, my li in her life. I had the like, least traumatic <laughs> life ever, and I'm not portraying negative emotions and just portraying emotions, which can be emotions of healing, emotions of happiness, emotions of excitement, of meditation, but not, um, not anything that would suggest being hurt mm. or being desperate, never that. Thanks, Fiona, for highlighting that, because that's actually my follow-up question, because you're painting is about healing and empowerment. And that's exactly yeah. what, I was, you know, what I'm getting when I look at your painting. The follow-up question that I had for that is, how do you capture human expressions through your painting? In relation to that question as well, Fiona, why portraits? Why human faces? Probably because I like to imagine that I am painting the soul of people. Uh, and going back to your initial question, uh, where do I find the inspiration? How do I capture those expressions? Yeah. 
Well, I've noticed that since I started painting, even when I'm out and about, mm. I'm sitting at a cafe or something like that, and there are people surrounding me, I turn around and I see someone and I kind of take a picture um, in of that expression with my uh, with in my mind. Uh, I tend to have a strong photographic memory and that and that will inspire me. And then maybe I'll look for something similar um, because you do tend to need a reference photo, if anything, to see where the light and shadow are, because my um, portraits rarely look like reference photos and I don't intend them to. I need the mm -hmm. reference photo to see where the light and shadow falls. Uh, another uh, mm, source of inspiration are small children because they are so natural with their expressions. And also, I'm living in Rome, I'm surrounded by art galleries, uh, museums, yeah. mm -hmm. which I tend to go to on a regular basis. And all the wonderful, even ancient art and sculptures that you see there. Speaking of Rome and speaking of Italian, your name is Fiona De Pinto, which is yeah, I was, in Italian. Some <laughs> Italian people. Yeah. People who know Italian uh, say, and they saw, see my Instagram, are like, what? Wait a second. Uh, what's that, Fiona Di Pinto? Because Di Pinto, all in one word, in Italian means painting. So the, the noun, the actual painting you hang on your wall, that's basically in Italian, so I'm called Fiona Painting. And some people thought I, it was a made-up name, but it's not. <laughs> But it's fitting. And like what I said, I love your Instagram, everything that you're, you've been painting this past two years are just amazing. And you can really Thank see you. the progression of your style, which also brings me to another question about Instagram. Your handler is drawing in drawers. Why? Yeah. What's with the Instagram handler? I, I, that would seem like such a prepared question because I was thinking about that in my <laughs> mind, but we didn't plan okay. it at all. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I, when I first went on Instagram on my own personal account, which is not drawings in a drawer, mm -hmm. I started following artists. So um, I thought I have so many sketchbooks full of drawings uh, in my drawers at home where I used to live with my parents obviously it's not my yeah. home now and I thought why don't I open an art account and just start posting all these drawings and sketches that I had I've had since my teens and early 20s on Instagram so I called it drawings in a drawer because they were actually drawer drawings yeah. that were inside my drawers in my bedroom <laughs> like literally in your drawer so that's why I called that and I don't want to change it now because I just think it's uh it brought me luck and it uh, just evolved and I wasn't expecting it to go anywhere. It just kind of happened like on its own. <laughs> but I think it's very witty and it's, it's just a lovely Instagram handler. I mean, it's not something that's so complicated, like drawings in a drawer. Okay, now let's talk about your, because I know you've, you've taught with us with Etcher and like what I said, people loved your classes. In fact, they're sold out. Again, I was, sold out. I was so taken aback when I saw yeah. five of them had gone. Uh, yeah, and I'm recordings will be available. <laughs> so, <laughs> Definitely. Uh, people who are asking out there, they're asking yeah. me on Instagram and on Facebook and whatever. They will be available, I think, a few days after the class goes live. Certainly, it's wonderful to have 
the live interaction with the students yes. because then they can ask questions like uh, and I can answer that it's more like a um, cozy and intimate situation so that is really great about the live classes and I've never done any before it me such a, um, a rush of uh, emotions that yeah. I can't even describe it speaking of teaching with Etcher have you always thought of teaching classes watercolor classes is it something that when you started doing watercolor I, I know you've tried different mediums in the past but have you thought about teaching before or no is it the first time I never thought about teaching before uh -huh. uh, but I found it extremely uh, constructive because yeah. I never thought about my painting process so when I, I realized that you know I was going to have to tell people what I do how I what the process is yeah. uh, I kind of had to deconstruct my steps yeah. and it was uh, really um, I didn't paint for a week after the workshop because I was so busy mm -hmm. um, I painted again last night I just showed I showed you that painting a while ago yeah. and I find that I've now have more wisdom into my own style <laughs> because of explaining it to others, which is something I'd never done. And also I found that for me, when I was starting out doing watercolor portraits in this kind of style, I looked right, left and center for watercolor workshops that were portraits in this style. Mm -hmm. And there were none. So I kind of felt that um, I knew what people would want to know and what people would need to know. Yeah. And that really helped a lot when teaching. But I'd never planned on teaching workshops. I mean, I knew that most artists do teach yeah. workshops. Uh, but I'd never thought, you know, it would happen so fast, so soon, <laughs> and that it would be so successful. So, yeah. Well, we're so glad that you have chosen to teach with us with Etcher and... I, I believe that people are drawn to portraits because personally, I find it very intimidating to draw and paint people's faces. So if I am someone who's starting out, and I know a lot of people who attended your classes have realized that, you know what, Fiona made it so easy for us to create portraits, expressive portraits. But for someone who is still on the fence about trying out portraits, what would be your advice to them? I would be, it would be to, to just try anyway, even if you feel that you're scared. Um, don't, okay, so a lot of people have got in touch with me saying, what about drawing? Mm. I really have to express the fact that drawing is something that takes like watercolor practice. I can't teach you drawing in one. Uh, I used a book with grids growing up. That's yeah. how I learned. And I drew compulsively. I drew for hours a day, and that's how I learned to draw faces. So practice, practice, practice. But one thing that one piece of advice I want to give for who's still on the fence is get the right kind of paper, because <laughs> if you try and you don't get the right paper, you get cellulose paper. Yeah. Chances are you might give up because. I was almost about to give up until I switched to 100% um, cotton um, paper, at least 200 GSM mm -hmm. or 300 GSM, which is 140 pounds, I believe. It is more expensive, but it's the one thing that in watercolour you should spend money on. And not because I'm working with Etcher, but um, I bought Etcher sketch books long before I ever got in contact with you. 
or you reached out to me or whatever. Uh, and they have 300 GSM, uh, um, 100% paper. I think it's Fabriana, I'm not sure. But it's not only, okay, there's other uh, brands as well. Uh, Archie is cold pressed, yeah. is a, a really good brand. Windsor and Newton is good for like um, hot pressed, but you have to have 100% cotton and it has to have a decent thickness mm. because it needs to hold the water. Otherwise, it will start buckling, it will start peeling. And when I switched, I upgraded the level of my paper. I something uh, I took a step forwards. Something changed, and I and I I, I thought, okay, okay, the paper was a problem. Mm-hmm. Now I can start moving on, and that's when my art started getting better. It started evolving. I I was impressed, uh, and also impressed by my results because they were unexpected and also and I said this during the workshop too watercolor goes through an ugly phase <laughs> so when you're painting a portrait you get to a point where you're like what is this I am like putting this in the mm-hmm. trash bin you should never do that because it's natural watercolor portraiture especially does go through that phase but you've got to push through because you start loose and then you start adding details and the more you go into the controlled phase and start adding the eyes the pupils the eyelashes the more it's kind of brought all together and um something that looked awful uh, half an hour ago suddenly looks really beautiful so don't stop <laughs> don't stop passing don't, don't stop. please Okay, thank you so much for those tips and tricks, Fiona. I think you mentioned paper is really key, and I have okay. to agree. And also, for, for people who have less, uh, like young students who don't have much money to spend, yeah. they can buy like sheets and cut them down to size and paint yes. on the back and on the front. And okay. you know, you can get a lot of uh, paper, you know, a, a paper space like yeah. that and uh, not get put off completely by your results because you're painting on cellulose paper. Yeah. So the thing I was, wanted to say, which I think is important, I didn't, you know, get from that first painting, mm. waxy painting you saw to my last painting, painting like once every two weeks. I basically got there by painting almost every day okay. for two years. So that's important. It, it, it's not like... It happens overnight. Mm-hmm. You really have to, you know, put your effort into it and do it often. Very well said. That's really, definitely really, one of the really, first. Really great tip. I am excited for your class, your master classes. I'm Thank sure you. people who attended your mini workshop, their takeaways, and if they are attending the master classes, will be such an amazing experience learning from you and your process. Two years in into watercolor, and you have achieve just amazing results, especially you joining with Etcher and joining our Facebook group, which you are very active. I saw a lot of your comments. And how is it important to remain connected with with your audience, especially in this, you know, in the art world or in the art community? For me, it's a pleasure, really, because it is such a joy to have people reaching out to me and saying, oh, you're such an inspiration, and then showing me their work and saying, how can I prevent this? And how can I make it, could I make this better? And should I add a shadow here or there? Yeah. That to me, it's only natural to reply or if someone's having a problem with, 
with problem with something and I see a post about it on the Facebook group, mm -hmm. if I know what the solution is to step in and answer it, it only takes one minute out of my day, so why shouldn't I do it? I found that that's kind of a, a, something we're lacking and I want to kind of try and fill that space as much as I can. So keep the questions coming. Don't worry, you're not bothering me. Uh, DM me. Um, just one thing I wanted to point out that um, I think I'll have to sort this. On Facebook, I use my account that's uh, not, it's not an art account. It's, oh, my, it's personal. Okay. It's personal. It doesn't have any art on it at all. So some people have been requesting friendship. And I just want to say that the only reason why I'm not uh, replying to the friendship requests is because... Um, uh, because uh, it's like family photos and my kids' photos on there. So that's the only reason. If you want to message me on Facebook, could you please uh, do it at the, uh, the one that's called, the page that's called Drawings and a Drawer, Fiona Di Pinto. That's my uh, art Facebook. And I haven't quite worked out how to use it on the group. Maybe I should. <laughs> okay. So that if you want to message me on Facebook, you can do that. Uh, through there and it will get back to you definitely or on Instagram if you have Instagram obviously thank you so I'm much Fiona like yeah thank you so much Fiona it's I had an amazing time chatting with you listening to your stories hearing your process your tips and tricks and again I am just so excited about your master classes classes plural because thank you, have you so much I got to know <laughs> Yes. And I'm sure a lot of you guys who listen to this, listen to this episode and checked out um, the classes of Fiona will also be inspired to start making art. And like what Fiona said, do not stop. Thank you so much for being on the Thank podcast, you. for chatting with me. I've heard nothing but amazing feedback, not just from the extra team, but from the people who sign up to your classes. You are an amazing artist with such an Thank you. So thank you so much for sharing your thank you very much gift with the world, um, with us for choosing to start your classes with us. And uh, we'll definitely keep in touch via on Instagram or on your Facebook page, drawings and drawers. Thank you so much, Fiona, for taking the time. Okay, thank you. Have a great rest bye. of the day. Thank you. You too. Bye. bye. Fiona's keen ability to look beyond expressions and represent them through her art is a distinct style that sets her apart as an artist and one that influences others to follow her lead. Her love for community, drive to encourage others to create, is a catalyst that draws people in and experience that truly is rewarding. Have you had the chance to try out her tutorials? What do you think about this episode? We would love to know. Do drop us a comment through the blog post associated with this podcast at etrolab.com slash Fiona. Want to know what goes behind the scenes here at Etcher? We heard ya. We are lifting the curtain and giving you VIP access to do just that. Get to know who does what here at Etcher Lab. So joining me for the Etcher Community Spotlight is Selena. She is our content officer and she describes herself as a go-getter, risk taker, and someone who doesn't sweat the small stuff. Welcome to Make More Art, the podcast, Selena. Hello, glad to be here. So content officer, tell us what you do. I know content is such a broad word. So tell us the details about what you do as a content officer. Um, as a content officer, I usually do um, graphics and then I help other people. Like I help Jai uh, work on uh, different photos and then sometimes I make, the, um, I usually make the blog 
posts and hmm. I animate the logos and everything. So I think as a content officer, I think it's pretty pretty wide for creativity. So it's that's why I like being a content officer. Interesting because the if you mentioned about the blog post. So yeah. for the podcast, we have our show notes, right? And there is a blog post dedicated for it. So the web image is mm-hmm. from Selena. I love the, the, the images that you create. Does that include the promo images as well? Um, the promo images usually comes from Christine. She just, send, she just sends me the materials to be used for the blog post, and then I create them as a whole. Mm-hmm. So when I send it over, it's good for story posting already. Amazing. So how did you end up with that shirt? I'm interested to find out because most of the people who I interviewed, they were either referred by someone, a friend of a friend, like myself, I literally was referred by someone else. So how did you end up? Um, Gabby is a friend of mine. And- I knew it. <laughs> And they were looking for another content person. So mm-hmm. I joined in and then I enjoyed being in Etcher. I enjoy being here. What's the favorite thing that you, yeah, about being a content officer? Um, it's working with people. Because uh, when you work with people, you get to see how, how they are mm-hmm. uh, based on what they do. And sometimes they can surprise you. So, yeah. That's true. That's true. I have to, I have to agree. Are you by any chance into arts? Well, you are a content officer. You create our, you know, our images for for branding and all that. But are you doing any sort of or practicing any art, any sort of medium? Um, no, because I'm just basically a video editor. Mm-hmm. But I think that counts as an art. Still, yeah, it is still. Yeah, because. Because it's 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 a challenge between creating something and making something into a piece that people will like. So it's like you're sharing a part of yourself while still being behind the camera okay. or something like that. Yeah. If someone would want to be a content officer, what sort of traits or skills do they need to have? Um, perseverance and determination. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And for skill set, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for skill set, I think they need to be creative. Mm-hmm. By being creative, I mean they need to have a wide imagination. It helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Even though there are days you get black uh creativity blocks and all that, but then once you get your your once you get the hang of it, mm-hmm. it's just gonna continue to come. Okay. So of all the things that you created, which one would you say would be the most challenging and rewarding? Um it's creating templates. Templates, then, okay. Yeah. But then once once you get it approved and once they like it, mm-hmm. they're really gonna say after all those drafts and everything, it gets gets the gratification that you need. Okay. All the hard work pays off. 
Okay. Basically. And you've been doing an amazing job. How long have you been with Etcher, by the way? I've been with Etcher since May. So you're May, I think pandemic hire. Yeah, pandemic hire. <laughs> a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people have joined Etcher and they are what we call the pandemic hire. But Sabina, thank you so much for chatting with me, talking about what you do with an Etcher. I love everything that you do, especially thank for you. the podcast. I couldn't post my blog post without your web image. So thank you so much for providing those. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank for you for the, the trust also. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for creating those beautiful images for our show notes. And all the best and looking forward to see more of your works for Etcher. Thanks, Selena. Thank you. Thank you. We would love to hear your thoughts. So please drop us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast where you can find us on YouTube at Etcher Studio. And, oh, hitting the subscribe button is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you again next time. Until then, let's make more art.